0: Why should we gain from his reward? I know that's true for me. I can't give an answer. But man, what a, how grateful and thankful that I am that we have this free gift that is available to us, that we can uh, spend eternity and forever with him, that he has paid the price on our behalf at what I truly deserve, what you truly deserve, uh, the price that was you were meant to pay has already been taken care of. Uh, your your slate has been wiped, clean. God looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ and not all the, the treacherous things I'm speaking of for myself. All the crazy things that I've done that has gone against him and, and um and and the things that I should be doing. So that is something that we should be rejoicing over, that we should be excited about. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, we're gonna start here in uh, verse 14. As we are here, we're in the midst of graduation season. And then I'm seeing on Facebook and I'm seeing uh, the people that I'm talking to, they're so happy and overjoyed about the people in their lives Uh, who are graduating from high school and college and things of that nature, Uh, they're just excited, you know, right? Uh, We see somebody uh, accomplishing in their lives, and they are excited for that, that family member, that friend, friend of the family, whatever it looks like. They're excited about accomplishing this milestone. And as we get into these summer months, right, then we have weddings and things of that nature. We get really excited about these life events that take place and we wanna tell people about it. We're so excited. Let me tell you about my grandson and he, him graduated from high school. You should have seen him walk across the stage. I'm so happy for him because we were worried there for a little while. Or we see them walk across the stage um, on a, a college stage with their d- diploma in hand, and they 're about to start in their career about to get a new job and they 're going to do better and hopefully they 're going to do better and get this the job that they 've been hoping for and just been wishing for. We get so excited don 't we We want let me tell you about my my granddaughter, my nephew, and the job there they 're going to start working at this this Prestigious company, and it is before long, they're going to be running the place. We get so excited. We want to tell people about what is going on, even the milestones in, in your own life. If I look at my life and think about those milestones and the jobs that I've been, been, been able to have, and the promotions and things that I mean, I'm calling my mom, hey, guess what happened? I got promoted today. I got a raise. We can't wait to tell people about those moments in our lives, the moments in time. Thinking about that, what if we took that excitement, we took that zeal of those milestones in our lives, what if we took that same excitement and to tell people about Jesus Christ? What if we were so excited that he paid the price on our behalf that we lived every single day with that same excitement that we do in graduation season and and wedding season and different things, these milestones in our lives. And we just be on fire and want to tell people about what Jesus Christ has done for us. How different might this world be? Well, this is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to know God and make him known. Know God and make Him known. We should approach every moment of every day of our lives with the same excitement and zeal to tell somebody about Jesus and what He's done for us. Let's look at how this unfolds in the, the book of Acts. Again, Acts chapter two. We're we'll starting in verse 14. Here God's word reads, "But Peter's standing with the 11. Lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on the flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on male servants uh, and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and the signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes and the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As um, uh, introduction and just kind of going back as we have started our series in the book of Acts, I want to bring you up to speed to where we are today. Uh, remember that the, you know Jesus had, had come and He is ascended to His rightful place at the right hand of the Father, and they have appointed uh, uh, Matthias to come and 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 be part of the twelve apostles. and And then, as they were uh, up in the upper room and they were praying fervently, the the Holy Spirit descends on them in the upper room, and and there is crowds that are outside because they are there for the Passover. They're there for the Day of Pentecost. And as they're in the upper room and the Holy Spirit descends, they start speaking. They start uh, sharing the gospel. And the crowd that was hearing it being from different nations, different towns with different uh, dialects, different languages. As uh, the apostles were speaking, they heard them, uh, the, the crowd heard them in their own language. The crowd heard them in their own dialect. And they're like, well, what is going on? What's happening here? What's What's taking place? How can we hear these Galileans speak to us and we, we hear them in our own language, in our own dialect? Uh, and funny enough, um, in the verse 13, it says, uh, others were mocking and said, they must be filled with that new wine. They must, be, they must have some good stuff to be able to all of a sudden to be speaking in different languages. And, and I said last week, I don't, I don't, I've been around my share of drunk people, but I don't know if any of them have started speaking different languages. Right? Usually, they they can't speak the one language they do know when they get drunk. But these these folks are trying to make sense of it, and, and they start to mock them, try to make sense of it, and say they must be drinking a new wine. Peter comes in and says, "Hey, no, <laughs> let me set this straight. Uh, these people are not drunk as you might suppose. A matter of fact, it's just it's the middle of the morning. It's nine o'clock in the morning." they haven't been drinking so peter begins to preach this sermon and he's first to ensure that these people understand that the the disciples are not drunk and again that seems to be a good thing to clarify right let's set the stage make sure we haven't been doing drugs we haven't been doing anything but i want you to understand right and so um Uh, Peter explains that this should not be a surprise what's happening has been prophesied about before Uh, they should be very familiar with what what is going on they're seeing scripture actually play out in front of them the prophet Joel had prophesied about this exact occasion. And as the crowd observes, they are witnessing the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Man, what, can, can you imagine being here and you see this play out before your eyes, something that you had read over the, the years and you're reading through the Old Testament and you memorize these pieces of scripture and then you're all of a sudden in this crowd like, man, this seems really familiar. I, I feel like I've seen this movie before. Wouldn't it be something to be in the crowd we know that God calls some of us to be servants, You, know, much like myself to equip the saints. But the reality is that every believer is called to proclaim the good news. It's not just my job as pastor of this church. In a matter of fact, um, it's more so your job than it is, to, is for mine. My, my job is to equip you to be able to go and share the gospel with your friends and family. As we go through Acts, we'll see how this unfolds. But Luke tells us that the word of God will continue to increase and multiply across geographical and cultural barriers by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Each of these people have to take up their mantle and and understand seriously what our role is in sharing the gospel. And in fact, in most of these cases, the message will be proclaimed by Christians and not professionals, We'll see this in Acts chapter eight, verse four. It said, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Paul expands on this in Colossians, Colossians 3 and 16. Let the word of the God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Romans 15 and 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with the knowledge and be able to instruct one another, right? I can't be where all of you are, right? God has placed people around you. He has placed you in uh, the position that you are uh, with the people around you in the places where you go. God has placed you there so that you can be a light, so that you can go and build relationships with those people to be able to share with them uh, this hope of the gospel. Then this one is my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures. I got a bunch of favorite scriptures and you should too. Right, so this is another one that comes up for me very often, 1 Peter 3 and 15, where it says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that lies within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you, right? This is, this is what we're there. When, when people see or interacting with you, when things go wrong and everybody's freaking out, the, the, the sky is falling and the world is going to hell in a handbasket, they come to you and like, how is it? that you're able to sit there. Don't you care, doesn't this matter to you? How come you're not up in arms? How how come you're not filling your arms? How come you're not uh, cursing and, and doing all this other stuff? How come? And you're able to provide a defense for the hope that's within you. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. I'm able to sit here today. I'm able to stand here today. I'm able to be comfortable. I'm able to be confident because this is not the end for me. Uh, the Bible tells us this stuff will happen, but it's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ that I know that I can have confidence. And wouldn't it be amazing if they say, tell me about this Jesus you talk about. Tell me about that. Where does the Bible say that? Uh, how, is that how has that affected you in your life? How do you live this out? And you can, you can provide some of your favorite verses, some of your favorite songs, to be able to explain to them why, how. This is what we're here to do. This event at Pentecost shows us that every believer can know God and truly uh, we must be making him known. If you were doing a translation on the word everyone, if you look into this very deeply, it means everyone, everyone all of us this is not a trick question this is this is not no oh maybe it means just some of those people or it doesn't include me it includes you too but i'm shy i'm introverted me too i'm am a functional extrovert <laughs> i've learned to 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 be more extroverted but again god has placed you around people for a reason it's not like you don't talk to anybody god has placed those people in your life so that you can have an effect on them extroverts even like well i don't feel comfortable maybe i won't have the right thing to say when i need i don't know everything about the bible well you don't have to because we have the holy spirit indwelled in us and he will help us to have those conversations and this is why again is good and proper and it's important for us to be reading scripture not every once in a while but on a daily basis we be reading it and what's what's happened for me is i can read things and i've read the bible over and over again throughout my life but in certain situations that i come into contact with that i have a verse comes up like whoa that's what david meant when he said that wow and it it has a different effect on me or i'm having a conversation the holy spirit brings up one of those verses for me that maybe i didn't think much of and i'm like oh well there's this verse in the bible i don't remember it exactly but it says something like man it's powerful when you're able to bring to remembrance some of those things that can have a benefit and edify not only yourself, but the people that you're around. So it doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, you're rich, you're poor, introvert, extrovert. None of us are observers when it comes to sharing the gospel and making Jesus known. We're not here to sit on the sidelines. we, We sometimes call this this gathering on Sunday, the holy huddle. Because we get together, we're all excited about to come into worship and we come and we sing and we praise and we read the scripture and we're all fired up. Yes, God is so good. God is so gracious. God is so merciful. And we walk out of the door and we don't play the game. We walk out of the door and go sit on the bench. What, what if we were watching, like, I don't know who, who all are sports fans, but in football, right? They, they go and they gather together, they, they get on this huddle and, and they talk about the play they're gonna run against the team. Right, who's gonna have the ball, who's gonna run, who's, what the quarterback's gonna do, all this stuff. And then they get into formation and they actually run the play. What we do here in this holy huddle is we get together, we talk about the plays that we're gonna run and then we go sit on the bench. That's a losing strategy. That, w- that, would, that would not be a fun game to watch, let me tell you. <laughs> For everybody to get together and get in the huddle and then go sit on the bench. I'm not watching that game. I don't know about you. There's there's no Super Bowls in your future. But this is what we ought to do. We are all called to make Jesus known. If you're a Christ follower, you're a part of the King's mission. Luckily, he's left you to fend. he has not left you to fend for yourself. And he's empowered you with the Holy Spirit to tell the story, to tell about his glory. And those who were listening to Peter speak, they knew about Jesus and they they had witnessed his miracles. Some of them were also present during his crucifixion. Let's pick up in verse 22. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man For David was, it says, uh, concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One seek corruption. For uh, you have made known to, to me the pangs of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence, um, the thought of all the witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received him, the father of the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. I love how Peter highlights the humanity of Jesus. And I think it's good for us to remember and bring up from time to time. Um, yes, Jesus is God, but we can't forget that he, he came and, and he put on flesh, and he, he understands what we go through. He, he knows what it means to be tired. He, he knows what it means to be hungry. He knows what it means to be sad. And so we're not alone in, in that endeavors. Uh, Peter says, look, you all know him. You saw him. You were there. And, and, and if you didn't see the miracles, you surely knew somebody who were affected by his miracles. Peter then goes to talk about Christ's death from both a human and divine perspective, Jews then, as as well as today, could not fathom a Messiah that would die. However, Peter shows that Jesus wasn't an insignificant victim. He laid down his life in fulfillment of the God and God's sovereign plan. Ephesians 1 and 10 uh, extrapolates on this a little bit more, and it says, as a plan for the fulfillment of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Peter here reminds the crowd that they were responsible for Christ's crucifixion. And when faced with this truth, they were pierced pierced at the heart. Uh, they were listening to this and understood uh, what was going on and what happened. And they understood the place that, or the part that they played in everything that was going on. Then God does something amazing. He, uh, the Father raises Jesus uh, from, the, from the dead. His death just could not hold him. The resurrection of Jesus is the foundational event in Christianity. If you don't have the resurrection, you don't have Christianity. It's the basis for our gospel. Peter says, uh, you, you can go to David's tomb. And we know where, where David is buried. We know he lived and we know for certain that he died. And if we were to dig up his tomb, we'll see the remains. But here we have Jesus. Jesus. He is not there. We go to his tomb, we won't see any remains. Why? Because he is risen. He is no longer there. Then this leads to Jesus' ascension, as Peter quotes from Psalm 110. David looked forward to the one that would be greater than himself. He talked about the one in his lineage that will come after him. Jesus. Uh, also quotes this verse in Luke, in Luke's gospel as he announced that he would be the one who would sit on the throne forever. And then finally, Peter's sermon starts to come to a close and the crowd is feeling convicted. They're listening to Peter and what's taking place and, and they're, they're recounting all the events that led up to it and they were pierced at the heart. They were guilty and understood that they deserved God's wrath. They understand how they strayed away. They understand how they offended God and they wanted to be free from this condemnation. Look with me in verse 36. It says, Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has, has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from the crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. As Peter is preaching this sermon, he's uh, sharing the gospel he's sharing the good news he's sharing about the life of christ his death and resurrection these, these folks couldn't be contained it's like that's it i'm good i'm sold what, what do i need to do how do we get past, how do we get through this they didn't need an invitation they wanted to know immediately how what they can do about their condition is that true for any of you here today as you look at your life and you know that you strayed away. You, you know that you have transgressed against God's uh, perfect law. You, you know that God has called you to something that you, you just try to stuff that down and, and go your own way. You try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You try to do things by your own strength. Is that true of you today? Are you pierced at the heart to know that uh, Jesus has paid the price for you on your behalf? I'm here to tell you today, just like Peter told them, that there's room here today, that, that you can come to him, that you can come and, and, and surrender your life to Christ, that you would repent and be baptized. This is the start of our walk with him in Jesus Christ. Jesus mentioned this This would happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. And in John 16 and 8, it says, When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they would not believe me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concer- concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Peter plainly describes this work of conversion When we decide to follow Jesus, we express our faith through baptism, which is the outward sign of an inward change. Because when we think about it, God has created everything that there is. He spoke in the universe, leapt into existence. He had a perfect design for everything that he created. And then man came in and we went against God's word. We went our own way. And because of, of bringing sin into the world, uh, we have this eternal separation from God. And we are trying to fill this pace. We know something is missing in us, and we go looking for it in so many different places. We look for it in relationships. We look for it in careers. We look for it in in money. We we look for it in in drugs and alcohol. We look for it in so many different places, but. We're still empty. We still have these things missing. We're still so broken. But fortunately, God sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have life that is everlasting. He sent his son to live a life that was free from sin and then would later give up his life for the cross for you. He took the burden of sin and shame on himself so that you can have life. Then he, after his death and resurrection, he ascends to the Father. And through him, now we can pursue God's design again. Now we can have that, that, that space that's missing for us is filled by the blood of Jesus. And now we can have life. True life, now we have purpose. Now we have fulfillment and we don't need to go looking anywhere else. Jesus has done it all. He's done it all for us. We might not have 3,000 here with us today, but there is room for you in the kingdom. Today I'm asking you to turn from your sin and commit your life to Christ. So you can do that in various ways. We're going to have uh, our last song here this morning. I'll be here to pray with you, to pray for you. Um, We have Lee in the back, who's one of our deacons. He can pray with you and for you as well. If you have questions about what this means, what this looks like for you and your life, we would love to have that conversation with you. Or if there's anything, any other thing that we could be praying for you about, we'd love to take that time to do that with you as well. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, I just want to come to you just with thankfulness in my heart of what you've done for us. I'm, I'm so grateful that you have made yourself known to us uh, so that we can have the opportunity to, to follow you that you, you have uh, took on the brunt of this, this sin and shame in our lives, and, and, and through Christ, we can come to you and we can be fulfilled and we can have purpose in our lives because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, Father, and for that, I thank you. But, but let us not just lean on that and just hold it for ourselves and be selfish, uh, give us the strength, give us the courage to live out what it is that you've called us to do and then also to go share that with those who need to hear it. Know that you've placed us in, in the job, in the, the, the areas or whatever we do from day to day, you've placed it there so that we can uh, be a light in this dark world. Give us the strength and, and the courage to be able to share this good news to those who need to hear it so people might know the name of Jesus because of what you've done for us. Father, help this church, uh, your church here in Bolingbrook, help us to be known for proclaiming your name on high and, and serving Brook in a way that nobody has ever seen before. Father, we thank you just for the preservation of your word and continue to work on us, continue to shape us and mold us into your image. And we thank you for all this in the precious name of Jesus, amen.